to Mark chapter 5, the blessings and glory to God, but we're focusing our attention on what stops the blessing. So we're talking about breaking the fear connection. Somebody say breaking the fear connection. So here in Mark chapter 5, verse 36, it says, be not afraid, only what? Be not afraid, only what? Be not afraid, only what? And once again, you know, all of us at one time or another that has lived by faith, we all said at one time or another, I tried the word and it didn't work. And we know our answer to that is what? No, the word tried you and you didn't work. Amen? Because the plain truth is this, God never drops the ball. Tell your neighbor, God never drops the ball. He never fails to keep his word. Amen? Never. Matter of fact, look at Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12. God never fails to keep his word. Jeremiah 1.12. Amen. Give those that are still, amen, doing it the right way with the B-I-B-L-E. Give you time to get there. Jeremiah 1.12. For I will hasten my word to what? Perform it. He said, I will what? Hasten my word to perform it. And that's what he does. He does that always without fail. He hastens his word to what? To perform it. Now, once again, that doesn't mean there won't be times when we mess things up. Come on. And we slow down the manifestation of what we're believing for. I said we. Somebody say we. Come on. Say amen, somebody. See, it means, though, that when things quit working and the faith process seems to stall, we must, learn, we must learn to honestly ask ourselves, what's keeping me from receiving? Where is the problem here? Come on, say amen, somebody. Because we know it's not God. See, God's not holding out on you. Tell your neighbor, God's not holding out on you. So if we're not receiving and enjoying the manifestation of the blessings in our lives, if we're not receiving and enjoying the manifestation of the word, that what the word says belongs to us, it can't be God, but it has to be us. It has to be what? Us. Somehow, somewhere along the way, we have short-circuited the power of faith. Let me say it again. Somewhere, somehow, we have what? Short-circuited the power of faith. And we've all done it one time or another. And we do without realizing it. Are you with me out here? And one of the ways we short-circuit the power of faith is by allowing fear to get into our lives. Somebody say fear. fear. And we can see why the Bible commands us 110 times. Fear not. Fear not. Somebody say fear not. Why does he tell us that 110 times? Because our connection to the blessing depends on us not being in fear. Let me say it again. Our connection to the blessing depends on it. It what? Depends on it. And so we know as born-again believers, or having born-again believers in this room. As born-again believers, we never have to be afraid. Someone say, I'll never have to be afraid. And go to Mark chapter 5, because we know Jesus settled that issue in Mark chapter 5 with a man named Jairus. When he asked Jesus to come heal his daughter, who was on her deathbed. And we know Jesus was interrupted by the woman with the issue of blood. But as he's ministering to this woman with the issue of blood, in Mark chapter 5, verse 35, it says, While he yet spake, 
there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said what? Thy daughter is dead. Why troubled thou the master any further? Now we know at that moment, Jairus heard the worst, most fear-provoking words any parent could ever hear. But Jesus didn't even give him a chance to react, folks. Matter of fact, in verse 36, it says, as soon as, as soon as what? Jesus heard the word that was spoken. He said unto the ruler of the synagogue, be not what? Afraid only what? Be not what? Afraid only what? Believe. Now, in Luke's account, in Luke chapter 8, verse 50, it says, and when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not. Believe what? Only. And she shall be made whole. Fear not and believe what? Only. And she what? Shall be made whole. And we talked about this last Sunday. Most people, amen, would have said the opposite of what Jesus said in that situation. Most people would have patted him on the back and started consoling him. Come on, say amen, somebody. But Jesus knew something most people don't know. He knew that fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Somebody say that. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. Come on, say it again. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. He knew it is impossible. Somebody say impossible. It is impossible to be in fear and faith at the same time. Let me say that one more time. It is impossible to be in fear and faith at the same time. The minute you get into fear, you're out of faith. You can sit up there and fool yourself all you want. The second you get into fear, you are at that point out of faith. Because why? It is impossible to be in what? Fear and faith at the same time. And since the life of Jairus' daughter depended on his faith connection to Jesus, Jesus commanded him not to fear. Amen. And with Jesus by his side, he found a way to obey what he said. Come on, say amen, somebody. And he refused to fear. And as a result, we had a happy ending. Amen. Look at verse 41. As a result of that story, we have what? A happy ending. Why? Because he refused to what? Fear. He refused to what? Fear. He refused to what? Fear. Some of y'all need to get this. Mainly you parents. They're still afraid of your children out there when you don't know where they're at. You're afraid of where they're at. Come on, you're watching the clock. Looking at your phone. They ain't calling me. They didn't call me by a half hour. They didn't call me today. Once I put my child in God's hands, I'm supposed to leave it alone. Say it again. Once I put my child in God's hands, I had to leave it alone. If I sit up there and worry, and guess what? God no longer has my child in my hand, and that's going to be on me. Are you with me out there? Amen. Well, 541. That was free. 
And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, What? Talitha kumai, which being interpreted, damsel, I say unto thee, What? Arise. And straightway the damsel arose and did what? Walk. Well, she was the age of 12 years old. And they were astonished with what? With great astonishment. But then we talked about last week why fear is such a serious business. Why? Because just as faith is the spirit connector to God and the blessing. Fear is the spirit connector to the devil and the curse. Let me say it again. Just as faith is the spirit connector to God and the blessing, fear is the spirit connector to who? To the devil and the curse. Now, we've already seen throughout the Bible, faith is what achieves what? Faith is what activates the what? The operation of the blessing. Faith is what releases the anointing of God in people's lives. But fear is the connector to sickness. Fear is the connector to disease. Fear is the connector to poverty and every other manifestation of the curse. Somebody say the curse. Or you can say it this way. Fear connects to the spirit of fear. Just as faith connects to the spirit of faith. Let me say it again. Fear connects to the spirit of fear. Just as faith connects itself to what? To the spirit of faith. See, the spirit of fear is the devil himself. And fear itself is sin. Fear itself is sin. How many times you jumped at something and didn't ask God for forgiveness for that sin? How many times you ran from something and didn't turn around and say, Father, forgive me for being in fear. So some of you have some unconfessed fear in here, unconfessed sin in here. Come on, say amen, somebody. Look at Revelation 21, 7. And the reason being, why fear itself is sin, because sin is anything that disconnects you from the blessing and connects you with death. Sin is anything that disconnects you from the blessing and connects you with death. Here in Revelation 21, 7, notice what he says here. He that overcometh shall inherit how many things? All things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my what? Son. It says, be fearful, but the fearful, but the fearful, but the fearful, the unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and all idolaters, and all liars. I talked to that about the teenagers Sunday, I mean Friday. About lying, your teenagers didn't come, some of y'all. All liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with what? Fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Notice, fear is in very bad company. Fear is right alongside with unbelief. Fear is right alongside with murder and whoremongering. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. And see, fear in any measure is totally unacceptable. Let me say it one more time. Fear in any measure is totally unacceptable. And I know some people, you know, they cringe when I talk about their movie watching. Why? Because going to a horror movie is no different than you looking at pornography. Let me say it again. Going to see a horror movie 
is no different from you watching a pornography on your computer. Why? It's wrong. Tell your neighbor it's wrong. Why is it so wrong? Because why? It will connect you to a spirit that you as a child of God have no business being connected to. And you sitting up there thinking it's innocent. But you don't realize you just opened yourself up to something you don't know nothing about. Tell your neighbor, it's not okay. See, it's a sin because why? There's death in it. And once again, when you get right down to it, fear is actually faith in death. The fear of a dangerous animal is faith in that animal's ability to hurt or kill you. Fear of disease is faith in the power of that disease to destroy your body. See, fear is death. Listen, fear of death is what? Faith in its power and its authority. Are you following me out there? And fear's objective is to what? Is to create unbelief. Its goal is to get you to believe something other than what God has said about your situation, not just to make you feel scared. Are you listening to me out there? So get rid of what? Get rid of what? Get rid of fear. Tell your neighbor, get rid of fear. I didn't say you should cope with fear. I didn't say you should manage it. I said what? Y'all ain't saying it strong enough. I said what? And see, when he tells us in the New Testament, not the fear, he means what he says, folks. And he's not telling us to manage our fears. He's telling you to totally eradicate it. Somebody say totally. Totally flush it out of your system. Totally flush it out of your life, folks. Somebody say totally. Come on, say totally. But the question we left off last Sunday is, how do we eradicate fear completely out of our lives? Does anybody want to learn? Yes. See a couple people. We well, y'all come to the front and let the other people go to the back. <laughs> Does anybody want to learn how to eradicate fear? Glory yes. oh, to God. Well, first of all, we have to come to the absolute scriptural conviction. That through the power of redemption, Jesus has delivered us once and from all from the bodies of fear. Let me say it again. First of all, we have to come to the absolute scriptural conviction that through the power of redemption, Jesus has delivered us once and from, for all from the bondage of fear. Now, we may not feel like we've been delivered from it, but that doesn't matter because why? We don't go by how we feel. We go by what the Bible says. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, when the Bible describes what Jesus did for us through his death, burial, and resurrection, it says, go to Hebrews 2.14. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. This is what the Bible describes. What Jesus did for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. It says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death 
he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is who? The devil. Verse 15. And deliver them. And what? Deliver them who through what? Fear of death were. All their lifetime subject to bondage. But the key is he had the power of death. He don't have it anymore. It says Jesus delivered us from the fear of death. It says we were in our lifetime subject. We're not in bondage anymore, folks. Tell your neighbor, you're not in bondage anymore. That means every fear. Someone say every fear. Every fear that exists is one way or another based on the fear of death. And according to the word of God, we have been delivered from it. Jesus stripped it of his power over us by paying the price for sin, folks. He took upon himself the deadly curse of fear. And he completely paralyzed and put out of commission the devil who was the author of it. Let me say it again. He completely paralyzed and put out of commission the devil who was the author of it, folks. And by triumphing, listen, by triumphing over death and becoming our champion and Lord, Jesus freed us once and for all from every kind of fear, even that rat that you run from. Somebody say every kind of fear. Every kind of fear. Come on, every kind of fear. How does Galatians 3.13 say it? Turn there. Galatians 3.13. How does it say it? It says, Christ has redeemed us, what? From the curse of the law, being made a what? Curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that what? Hang up on the tree. It says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Fear is part of the curse. You don't believe me? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 65. Fear is part of the curse. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 65. Fear is part of the curse. And here God warned the children of Israel about what would happen to them if they disconnected from the blessing and opened the door to the curse. He says, this is what's going to happen. When what? When you disconnect from the blessing and open the door to the curse. He says, among these nations shalt thou find no ease. Why? Because they disconnected from the blessing and opened the door to the curse. Neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest. But the Lord shall give thee a trembling heart. That's all part of the curse. And failing eyes and sorrow of mind, verse 66, and thy life shall hang in doubt before thee. And thou shalt have fear day and night and shall have none assurance of thy life. In the morning thou shalt say, would God it, it were even? At the evening thou shalt say, would God it were morning? For the fear of thy heart, wherewith thou shalt fear, 
for the sight of thine eyes shall thou, shall, which thou shalt see. In these passages, this is a perfect description, the torment that fear has at its worst. And I thank God at Calvary, Jesus bore it for us all. I say it again. I thank God at Calvary, Jesus bore my fear. Matter of fact, you don't believe me? Go to Isaiah 53, 5. He bore it. He bore it for me. He bore the fear for me. So when I get up there and I say, a little fear won't hurt you, that means he didn't bear my sin, that little fear either. Fear is still fear in the eyes of God, folks. Whether you jumping up and high as the sky, whether you just, fear is fear. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was what? He was wounded for our what? Transgression. Now in the center column reference in the authorized King James Version, it substitutes the word torment for wounded. In other words, Jesus was tormented so that we wouldn't have to be. Let me say it again. Jesus was what? Tormented. Why? So that we wouldn't have to be. Now usually, when we think of the torment Jesus suffered, we think of it taking place only on the cross. But the devil started pressuring and tormenting Jesus way before that, folks. He put Jesus under so much stress, so much pressure in the Garden of Gethsemane that the Bible said that blood came out of his pores. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. See, what, what was happening? See, in those final hours, Satan was trying to push Jesus into disobeying God. What was he doing? He was pressing Jesus to sin. Are oh, you with me out there? But Jesus resisted. Look at Matthew 26, 39. Jesus resisted. Say he resisted. Matthew 26, 39. It says, when he went a little further and fell on his what? Face. And prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thy will. He resisted, folks. Amen. Stay neighbor. He resisted. Now think about this now. When Jesus was on the cross, it began to look like the devil to the devil as if he actually succeeded. Because why? There, Jesus finally yielded to the weight of sin. He finally yielded to the curse the devil had been trying to put on him for years. Come on, say amen, somebody. But understand this. Jesus didn't really fall prey to the curse because he sinned, folk. No, he opened himself up to it in obedience to God. What did he do? He did it by faith. Somebody say by faith. Why? Because until then, think about it. Read through the Gospels. Until then, Jesus never had never allowed fear to have any place in him. He had never, not one time, entertained fear. That's why he was able to say that night before he went to the cross in John 14, 30, turn there. John chapter 14, verse 30. He's able to say this the night before he went to the cross. He says, hereafter, I will not what? Talk much with you for the what? 
For the prince of this world cometh, and he says, he has nothing in me. He has what? He has nothing in him. Because why? Because Jesus had no fear in him. The devil couldn't get any of the rest of the curse in him. Come on, say amen, somebody. Listen, he was never, ever able to touch Jesus with sickness or disease. Have you ever read in the scripture where Jesus was sick? Have you ever read in the scripture that he had a disease? He couldn't even touch Jesus with death, folks. Jesus lived in such freedom from fear that when the people of Nazareth even tried to throw him off a cliff, they couldn't do it. What did he do? He just stayed in the light of God, and that light blinded them so completely they couldn't even see. What did he do? He just walked away from them in love and faith. He walked away from them in love and faith. Listen, when he went to the cross, however, when he went to that cross, for the first time in his life, Jesus received fear into himself along with all the sin, along with all sickness, along with all torment, along with all death, everything that went with it, he received it on that cross, folks. Now you can see why he said, my God, my God. Is there any other way than this? Why? This was a horrible thing he had to go through, but guess what? He did it for me. Tell your neighbor, he did it for me. He received fear so that we by faith could receive complete eternal deliverance from fear. He allowed it to do his dreadful work and connect him to the darkness of the devil himself so that you and I would never have fear anytime, anywhere, any place, ever again. Somebody say ever again. Why? He did it so that we could believe and boldly declare with the New Testament writers, go to Romans 8.15. He did it so that we could declare or we could boldly believe and receive. Come on. What the New Testament writer says, Romans 8.15, we can boldly declare this now, folks, if we believe it. He did it so we could what? Believe it and declare it. What are we going to declare? For he is not what? I have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, folks. But I have received the spirit of adoption whereby I cry what? Abba, Father. I have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. We can believe in both and declare 2 Timothy 1 7. 2 Timothy 1 7. We all know this. For God has not what? God has not what? Given us the spirit of fear, but of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. Not a tormented mind, a sound mind. We can believe and boldly decree Hebrews 13, 6. Hebrews 13, 6. So that we may boldly say, that we may what? Boldly what? Say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What man shall do unto me? 
Come on, say, I will not fear. Don't say it like you mean it. I will not fear. You see, once you understand that Jesus has purchased your complete and absolute deliverance from fear, folks, you're on your way from living fear free. But you got to understand it. I got to understand it. I got to understand what Jesus purchased for me. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, you have a solid scriptural basis from which to believe. We just went over scriptures, right? So now you have a what? You have a solid scriptural basis from which you now can resist fear. (coughs) You can what? Resist fear. But listen to me closely. Tell your neighbor, listen to him. That in itself won't totally get rid of it. Let me say it again. That in itself won't totally get rid of it. What gets rid of it is the power of love. Somebody say the power of love. In the life of a believer, love starts with the revelation that we are loved of God. Let me say it again. In the life of a believer... Love starts with the revelation that we are loved by God. Look at 1 John 4.10. Say, neighbor, that's where it starts. First John 4.10. Notice what it says here. Herein is love. Not that we loved God. But he what? But he what? Loved us. And sent his son to be a what? Appropriation for our sins. Now look at verse 16. And we have known and believed the love. What does it say here? We have known and what? Believed the love. We have what? Known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love... Dwelleth in God and God in him. But verse 17 says, herein is our love, what? Made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. See, Jesus had boldness in the face of adversity, folks. So guess what? We can have boldness in the face of adversity. Because he knew and believed the love God had for him, he could have boldness. We too have to know and believe the love God has for us. For we can have boldness in any situation, anything we're facing. Look at verse 18. He says, there is no fear. There is no what? Fear in what? In what? Love. But perfect Love does what? Cast out fear because fear has what? Torment. And he that feareth. He that feareth anything. Say it again. He that feareth anything. You have a problem. He that feareth any 
anything, you got a problem. What's the problem? Because why? You're not perfected in love. That's a big problem. See, most people know the Bible says God loves me. If you ask them, they'll say, John 3.16. What? For God so loved the world. Everybody knows this one. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believe in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. They know the scripture backward and forwards. Come on, say amen, somebody. But when they start to pray, they start thinking, why would God care about a loser like me? Oh, come on. They have, listen, they have an intellectual understanding of what the scripture says about God's love. But they haven't known and believed the love God has for them. There's a difference, folks. Let me say it again. They have an intellectual understanding of what the scriptures say about God's love. But they haven't what? Known and believed the love God has for them. See, if you get a revelation of John 17, 20, it will change your life. Go to John 17, 20. John 17, 20. John chapter 17, verse 20 says, Neither pray I for those alone, because Jesus is praying here, but for them also, which what? Shall believe on me through their what? Word. Somebody say them also. Somebody say them also. So he wasn't just praying for the 12 apostles. He's praying for us. All who would what? Believe on him through their what? Word. That includes? That includes? That includes? But the kicker is when you get to verse 22. Where it says, And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be, may, may what? Perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and has loved them as thou hast loved me. Has loved them. As thou hast what? Love me. It says God loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. If you look at the other translation, it says the same thing. And see, it must be right because why? After all, God said if God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, he must love me just as much as he loved his son. And since that's the truth, we need to begin to start confessing it. Start confessing, God loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. God loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. Come on, walk around saying, my heavenly father loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. I believe I received that. I receive it by faith just like I received salvation. My God loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. You got to confess that, folks. Come on, I confess it before God. My heavenly Father loves me just as much as he loves Jesus. Confess it in your car. Confess it on your job. Confess it at your death. Come on, say amen, somebody. Father, I know that you love me. 
And Father, I know that you're going to be with me wherever I go. I don't even have to ask you to be with me because why? You've already promised in your word that you would never leave me nor forsake me even to the end of the world. I'm confessing that all day long. I'm confessing when I get up in the morning. I'm confessing it during my day, during the day. Come on. I'm confessing when I get off work, when I go before I go to bed. I'm confessing, Father, I know you love me just as much as you love Jesus. Let's take it a step forward. Look at verse 24, John 17. Notice what he said in verse 24. Father, I would that they also, whom thou gave, thou, thou hast given me, be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou loveth me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that have sent me. I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it that the love, the love, the love, Wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that the same love, Father, that you love him with, the very love that created the universe, the love of the Almighty God himself is where? Is in me. Somebody say it's in me. Now you couple that with Romans chapter 5 verse 5. Where it says, hope maketh not a shame. Because the what? The love of God is what? Shed abroad in my hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is where? Which is given unto me. See, God, listen, God's own love equipment is inside me. Let me say it again. God's own love equipment is inside of me. Come on, it's inside of you. It's inside of every person who's ever made Jesus Lord of their lives. Come on, say amen, somebody. God has given each of us his own mighty compassion. And then he authorized us to love people with his love. Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear what I just said? God has given each of us his own mighty compassion and authorized us to love people with his love. Now, you may be asking, what does this have to do with getting rid of fear? Tell your neighbor everything. Tell somebody else everything. Because why? When we know and believe the love God has for us, and then extend that love he's put on the inside of us to others, fear cannot get a foothold in us. Let me say it again. When we know and believe the love God has for us, and then extend that love he's put on the inside of us to others, fear cannot get a foothold in us. It has to go because why? Perfect love casts out Fear. Love literally flushes fear out of your system. 
me say it again. Love literally flushes fear out of your what? System. And see, as we activate love by receiving it from God, folks, loving him in return, and then loving our neighbor as ourselves, what happens? The tide of love keeps rising and rising and rising until it sweeps away fear like a flood. So are you with me out here? And that's the moment when you now can rebuke it and it'll leave you. Amen? See, you have to get out of putting yourself down about your past. Yeah, my, 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 Say it again. You have to get out of putting yourself down about your past. We all have a past. There's not one person in this room that don't have a past. Stop saying it's hard for me to feel God loves me. Stop worrying about your feelings. See, your feelings will eventually come in line. But you have to listen. But you have to preach to yourself every day. Let me say that again. You have to what? Preach to yourself every day. Just keep feeding your faith in God's love for you. By what? By reading and meditating on what the word of God says about it. Every time you think of Jesus, remind yourself of what he said in John 15, 9. Turn there. Every time you think of Jesus, remind yourself of what he says here. John 15, 9. What's he say here? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Get your concordance out, folks. Look up verses about God's love and mercy. Do some work. Come on, are you with me out here? Look up the phrase before the foundation of the world. And read about the fact that God knew you. And he loved you before the earth was ever created. Oh, come on. He knew your name. And he prophesied your future. He loved you before the devil amounted to anything before sin ever existed. God loves you. He loves you before time began, and he never changes. God loves you. So I say, God loves me. And see, as you read these truths out loud to yourself, come on, as you read them, start saying them out loud. Start saying, I received that in the name of Jesus. By faith, I take hold of the love God has for me, and I'm not going to turn it loose. Come on, say, by faith. I take it. Come on, by faith. I take hold of the love God has for me. And I'm not going to turn it loose. Why? His love is not based on your feelings, folks. It's based on his word. And his word says, he loves me. Whether I feel like it or not. He loves me. He always will, and he always has. He loves me. See, you walk around here talking about I don't feel it. Ain't nobody thinking about your feelings. What does God say? What does God say? He loves me. You worried about some man loving you. You worried about some woman loving you.
Who loves me? Who loves me? Who loves me? Who loves me? What's the most important? And when you make confessions like that, what's happening? You're actually preaching to yourself. And you got to learn to preach to yourself sometimes. The reason you're so sad, mad, and disgusted because you don't preach to yourself. All right, listen to me out there. And there's nothing better than good word-based preaching about God's love to build your faith to the point where it casts out fear. And Jesus knew it better than anybody. Go to Mark chapter 5, verse 1. That's why he dealt as he did with the madman of Gadara. You got to preach to yourself, folks. You got to preach to yourself, folks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're making concern. I got to know God loves me. Because if I don't know God loves me, how can I love somebody else? Amen? That's why people go around with their head hanging down. Why would I have my head hanging down if I know God loves me? Why would I have a sad face or a screw face when I know God loves me? That's the problem, folks. People have issues because they don't know the love of God. Are you listening to me out here? Look at Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And so they came over to the, unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he has come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Now you look in Luke's account, it says he had devils for a long time. <laughs> for a long time. He was so filled with demons that it brought fear to the entire region where he lived. He terrorized that entire region. One man. One man. And you worried about your horrible past? <laughs> the devil used him to control people through fear. Look at verse 3. Who had his dwelling amongst the tombs, and no man, could, no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had often bound, he, was, he had been often bound with feathers and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the feathers broke in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. This man didn't sleep, night and day. He's doing this night and day. And see, because this man didn't sleep, everyone knew there was something unnatural about him. <laughs> Come on, he screamed night and day. He cut himself and cried out. He frightened everyone so badly. And verse 3, it said they tried to chain him up, but he broke the chains. They tried to put him in prison, but he broke out. 
Eventually, people were too afraid to go near him. <laughs> Why? Because they thought he would kill him, and he would. Come on, are you with me out here? Amen. So you would think, if this man terrorized your whole region for a long time, you would think that everybody would be thrilled when Jesus showed up. They'd be thrilled if he, he came and ministered to this man. Come on, say amen, somebody. But look at verse 6. And when, when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto them, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was, not, there, was there nigh unto the mountain a great herd of swine feeding. Just say pigs. <laughs> and all the devils besought all, listen, all the devils. All the devils. That means there's more than one devil here. All the devils besought him saying, send us unto the swine that we may enter into them and forward Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out, entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea. There were about how many? One man. And they were choked in the sea. There were 2,000 pigs. So that means there were 2,000 demons in this one man. Now, you would think that when those 2,000 demons filled pigs, rushed into the sea, and this man was back in his right mind, you would think the local people would have been ecstatic, would have been grateful, would have been bringing gifts. Well, keep reading verse 14. And they that fed the swine told it in the city, and in the country. And they went out to see what it was done, what, what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus see and see him that is possessed with the, with the devil and had the legion sitting. I mean, he's walking around naked before now. The man got clothes on now. Come on. <laughs> Thank God. Amen. In his right mind. <laughs> and they were afraid. And they, and they that saw it told them how it fell, befell to him that was possessed with the devil and concerning the swine. Listen, the whole city, everyone in the country had to see this. They couldn't believe it because why? They were all affected by this one man. So instead of being glad, they were scared. Why? Because they weren't thinking straight. That's what fear does to people. You don't think straight when you're in fear. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Instead of celebrating, what did they do? Verse 17. And they began to pray him, talking about Jesus, to depart out of their coast. Instead of celebrating. <laughs> they were upset. Why? Because the devilish God had been, they had been worshiping 
has lost its power. They started thinking about the economic impact of losing a couple of thousand pigs. Why? To them, those pigs represented money. Give me the fear, but I want my money too. So they had the audacity to ask Jesus to leave. But notice what Jesus did. Notice he didn't say, no, I'm anointed by God. I'm going to do some teaching in this area right now. I'm, I'm the son of God. No. It says he got in his boat with his disciples and he left. <laughs> he said, I am out of here. But before he left, look what he did. Verse 18. And when he is coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Verse 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord has done for me and had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish. This man started preaching. He began to publish in the Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And it says, all men did what? Marvel. What did Jesus do? Jesus sent that man back to his hometown to preach the compassion of God. Why? Because perfect love casts out fear. Now, I guarantee you the townspeople listen to him. Why? Because they probably thought, we better be still. And <laughs> we, we better pay attention to what he has to say. Just in case he has a relapse. <laughs> we don't want to get him angry. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen? But after he finished preaching, folks, after he finished preaching compassion in that region, things changed. The next time Jesus went there, they had a great outpouring of the power of God. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Understand this. Once the power of love has flushed out fear out of your life, keep it out. Let me say it again. Once the power of love has flushed fear out of your life, keep it out by what? By rebuking and resisting it whenever it raises its ugly head. Because it's going to raise its ugly head. But you got to do what? Keep what? Rebuking and resisting it. You have to absolutely refuse to give it any place in your mind. What did I say? In your mind. Where? In your mind. Where? In your mind. You have to what? Absolutely refuse to give it any place in your what? Mind. The moment you catch a fearful thought trying to work its way in, start doing what 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells you to do. What does it tell you to do? Cast down what? Imaginations. And what? Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. You look at that fear and say, hey, hey, not today. <laughs> not today. I will not fear today. 
Because you know when that thing comes. You know when it comes. Stop signing for the package. Tell it you have the wrong address. Don't send it to the next door neighbor <laughs> that you don't like. Come on. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Just don't sign for the package. Because why? Fear is always trying to knock at your door, folks. Fear what you don't have. Fear of what might happen. You start speaking it before it even happened. And that's all the devil's tactic because he got to get you to start saying it. And when you start saying it, you're saying things opposite of what God said. And now you connected yourself to the fear of death. That spirit of fear. And you disconnected from the blessing. Keep fear out of your life. Come on, say amen, somebody. Lift your hands and give God praise. Perfect love casts out fear. Say, God loves me. Come on, say, God loves me. Hallelujah. So if I ever see you walking down the street with a long face and you were at this service, I'm going to have the Holy Ghost to smack you upside your head. I ain't going to smack you. I would like to, but I have the Holy Ghost smack you upside your head. Because you got to get a revelation of how much God loves you. Did he love his son? Come on, did he love his son? Come on, think about how much did he love his son? The son that he was with forever and ever. He loved his son. But guess what? He don't love you any less than his son that had been with him throughout eternity. Somebody say, he loves me. You got to get that, folks. And if he loves me that much, would he allow anything to happen to me? If he loves me that much, is he going to let somebody misuse and abuse me? I got to know this, folks. I can't just be saying, I know God loves me. Mm -mm. It's got to be in here. And a minute something tries to get me in fear, but should come out of me. It's my God loves me. I know he's not going to allow this thing to destroy me. That perfect love will get rid of fear every time. Hallelujah. And he says, he that feareth is not perfected that's the bottom line. That's why you cannot afford to even have an ounce of fear in you. 
manage it, get rid of it. Amen? Stop listening to the word will tell you. It's all right to be afraid. Who are you going to listen to, God or the world? Psychologists will tell you. It's all right to have a little fear. Who are you going to listen to? Their education or the word of God? They say it's healthy for you. How's fear going to be healthy for me when it connects me to death? Lift your hands before me. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you glory. 